0: two, one, two, three,
1: four. Hey, y'all. This is Seba, the Southern Rod Witch. And this is episode 52 of season two. And today we are kicking off Weaver November with a couple of wonderful weavers. So say hello, Leanne. Hi there. And Shannon. Hello. And I'm going to let them introduce what their business is and why it matters to the craft. But I do think I want to surprise question these two women and I know they'll just love that, about how we met.
0: So I had been a big fan of the podcast for a really long time, and I had been to the point in my craft where I was really looking for a connection with other witches. It's something that I hadn't necessarily been looking for before. I've always been a solitary practitioner. A lot of the witch community is just not my cup of tea for various reasons and so when I found the Southern Fried Witch podcast, I knew that this was someone that I could really connect with. And I was like, well, Southern Fried Witch, she's got to be around here somewhere because I live in Alabama. And so I, you know, it started off just a couple of emails, a little back and forth. And then finally, I was like, hey, so (laughs) I was like look I don't want to you know cross any lines and you know it's like asking your internet boyfriend to meet up with you for the first time right you're like oh what if they don't like me what if I don't look like my picture I love this so I came to a group session for the first time uh, kind of met everybody and the rest was kind of history I I realized after that first night I was like oh yeah this is gonna be a thing
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it is now um, baby girl yes ma'am yes it is <laughs> and then Leanne comes into the picture and tell everybody how that happened
2: well I found Shannon's work on Instagram because another maker that I followed shouted them out and I was like wow it's silversmith that actually knows what she's doing and is really witchy and not you know, just doing it for the book, and uh, she told me about you, and I've been hooked ever since i I just feel this huge connection. And that's what's so cool
1: about this is that we all found each other and kind of lifted each other up and wanted to make everybody be bigger than we already were. It becomes a family when we treat each other that way. I love that. but um, Leanne, tell us how we uh ended up wearing your beautiful cloaks <laughs> for our photo
2: shoot. Well, I think that Shannon got a cloak first. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And then you guys saw them and wanted them as well. So um, it's what I do. I I do a lot of work that never makes it onto the webpage or into the store or anything like that. And I don't care what other makers think about that. I've been poo-pooed a lot for just Mm -hmm. giving my stuff away. By the way, it's okay to cuss on this forum if you need to. (laughs) (laughs) well I'm just a am a real real kind of witch and um I don't mince words I'm pretty blunt (laughs) I love that no I saw your
1: cloak and I fell in love with it immediately we wanted something very magical and very real for our photo shoot and so there was nobody else but I tell you guys what we're gonna do Let's start with you, Shannon. Tell us about your business and how you got involved in your specific craft.
0: Okay. um, So I am a silversmith. um, So that means I work basically exclusively with sterling silver. I got started, I went to a four-year college for an art degree, which I do not recommend. But one of the courses that was offered in my college was, you know, beginning silversmithing. And I was like, oh, that, that'll be fun. I've always, always loved jewelry and adornments and how that kind of relates to personal aesthetic and things like that. So I took that class in college and then I didn't really touch it for about probably about 10, 10 to 12 years after that. And COVID hit and I realized that I did not want to work my day job forever. That I really wanted to uh, put something more meaningful out into the world. And I realized that the way I could do that was with jewelry. So I basically got in touch with this amazing teacher um, who's in Atlanta, Georgia. And I would shout her out, but she's not teaching anymore. So, but uh, I literally booked a weekend with her and was like, hey, I know a little bit, you know, it's been a while, but I, I remember most of the basics. I need you to go over with me how to do this, this, and this. And um, it's one of those things where I literally tailored what I needed from her. And she just kind of taught me what I was missing and filled in the gaps for me.
1: Well, how would you say that you were embedding your witchcraft into your craft, into your silversmithing? How does it get expressed? How does it weave itself in?
0: The main way probably is going to be, you know, obviously being very intentional with what kind of stones, what kind of materials, what kind of components that you're using. And then of course, you know, where the piece is being worn on the body. So I've always viewed jewelry, especially stone jewelry and things of that nature as a kind of a magical tool, just like a wand or an athame, you know, it's going to help you direct energy, it kind of becomes a conduit for that energy. And then obviously, the materials that you use kind of help dictate what kind of energy you're going to be channeling. So You know, if you need something grounding, you're probably looking at like a labradorite. If you want something for divination, you're probably looking at amethyst or something like that. Um, Moonstone is basically my stone for everything because it's just so fantastic. And then, of course, I also do a lot of deity pieces, which I really love doing. And those are going to be, you know, uh, pieces where I really get to kind of sit down and channel that deity and think about their attributes and things like that. I've done Lilith, Athena, Persephone, Sekhmet, Artemis. I'm currently planning a piece for Hecate. So, uh, you know, those really, I think, more than a lot of the other pieces kind of help connect to the craft and help connect people to their deity when they're not, you know, right in front of their altar.
1: Well, Leanne, would you mind sharing the same thing about your wonderful business, Hatcraft Farm? How did you get
2: started? Well, um I've made clothes my whole life since I was a kid. Uh, I grew up in a very rural area where it was imperative to learn how to sew and I learned on a treadle foot machine in my great grandmother's house and I fell in love with it and then. I realized very quickly that I could make stuff that didn't look like anybody else's stuff and my little aquarian heart sings about stuff like that.
1: Okay, so that's fucking awesome. I,
2: really, <laughs> I I'm I'm just going to be
1: real here. That's fucking awesome. I love that. So it was, you know, born of need, though, but also kind of generational, right, for the area?
2: Sort of. Um, I grew up with fishermen and seamstresses in my background for as far back as I can count. Um, I've found some crazy things from like 100 years ago that like a great, great, great grandmother was also a seamstress. But I also arrived at this career path kind of late in life. So my maiden name is Waddell w-a-d-d-e-l-l. The reason why I'm telling you this is because it is an old Gaelic name and it literally means woad pickers. So my family have been dyers for generations, like (laughs) coming from my homeland, you know? So I always felt that it was what I was supposed to do is make clothes. Well, Can you tell us,
1: just since we already talked to Shannon about her silversmithing and how she's embedding and weaving her magic into her craft there, and I mean craft with a capital C, how are you doing it, Leanne, honey? How is that happening for you? It's a perfect segue. Mm
2: -hmm. I um, often choose to dye my garments or the fabrics under specific moons, whether they be full moons or related to astrology. Um, I do a lot of rain dyes during storms and for different times of the year. I choose my color palettes based on, you know, the seasons and lots of other witchy things. And some of them, frankly, are super duper personal to me, but I still put them out there with a name on them. And the joke is just all mine.
1: (laughs) Okay. Now I want to know if there's something like that on my
2: cloak right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, me too, actually. We all want to know, what have you done?
2: (laughs) I wanted it to look like the forest floor in my backyard, because I felt like that was what you needed. And that's a lot of what I do is just based purely on feeling. I might be a little bit of an empath. (laughs) So yeah. Well, just, just to break in here and say that my
1: cloak has become so very much part of my witchcraft and so quickly, and I've never owned a cloak before, ever, ever. And sometimes when I'm sad or need that magical boost, I'll just put it on and walk around the house like I'm a queen. So thank you for whatever you did there.
0: <laughs> you're very yeah, she welcome. totally wore it on Salwyn too. I love it. I think that what's really important
2: is doing things with intention, regardless of what they are. I think so too. And
1: I think the way you're doing it is sort of opening yourself up to the experience for the person. And that's so rare. I mean, I think you both do that. You know, you're really open to what the ma- magical energies need to be for that human being. And that's the craft you're making for them. And y'all, that that's amazing. That's so magical to me. That being stated, Shannon, what do people need to know about the differences in handcrafted things, beautiful homemade things, versus mass production?
0: So I mean, obviously, there's a huge quality difference. I think that more or less goes without saying. But it's more than that, you know, like, it's kind of like Leanne was talking about, you're not going to get any kind of intention. So you're not going to get that feeling from anything that's mass produced. And you know, whether it's cloaks that were dyed with rainwater during a storm under a full moon, or, you know, a specifically handcrafted deity piece with your deity in mind and channeling that like, it's all about the intention and the energy that goes into making those pieces, um, especially when it comes to something like as important as something that you're going to use in a magical practice. You don't really want that to have kind of the icky mass produced energy about it. Well, and I would probably
1: just ask you and maybe add in here um, also what people are giving back to as a person, a small business and another witch, and there's got to be some good juju do there.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, there are times when my pieces are literally paying my light bills. So, you know, you're obviously making a huge impact on me personally, on my life, and the people that I'm buying stones from, you're making a huge impact on their life. You know, it really goes all the way up the ladder till you get to the people mining the stones and stuff like that. You're really impacting a lot more people than you realize when you do support a small business.
1: Well, and I don't represent the two of y'all at all. So this is just my personal statement, but you also get to screw over capitalistic systems and I'm all down with that.
0: Yes, absolutely. Whenever possible.
1: (laughs) I don't know how Leanne feels about that, but you know, fry the patriarchy, not chicken. Anyway, so that'll bring me around though. Leanne, what about you? What do you think people need to know? I'm sure you echo those sentiments, but do you have any
2: thoughts on that? I agree 100% with both of you. And I think there's an added layer with slow fashion. I started out with a couple of things in mind. I wanted to be ethical and inclusive and responsible. So that's what I fucking did because a whole bunch of them are not, you know. So I, I kept that in mind with everything I design. I offer the utmost range of sizes I possibly can. I ask for feedback constantly from the people that purchase from me. And make changes where necessary and adjustments. I accept returns when things don't fit the way they're expected. And I work with people to try to find what's right for them because you don't get that everywhere else you go. You get these like cookie cutter sizes that don't fit any damn body.
0: And I will say as a, as a plus size witch and owner of several pieces of clothing by Hagcraft, It makes a huge difference. Mostly, honestly, one of the things that drew me to you so, so strongly in the beginning was that you do have so many different body types represented in the photos of your work. Like, you know, everybody can say, oh, yeah, I make this in a size 3X, but I only picture it in a size small, um, which is typically what you get. So people that are larger than your sample size don't get a good idea of what that garment is going to look like on their body. Cause it's going to look very different on me than it's going to be on someone who's a size small. So being able to see people of size, people of color, trans people, all those people represented in your work on the actual model photos on your site was a huge reason that I was drawn to your work.
2: You have brought
1: tears to my eyes. I have never seen a maker, at least the ones that I know of that in the circles I've traveled in who specifically stated that this is for trans bodies too and that they need to be represented in holistic ways and cared for in that way. And I love that you do that.
2: It's pretty important to me. Should be important to all of us. I think that the other important stuff with uh, slow fashion and actually I'm sure it applies to silversmithing as well is being ethical in where you source your product and who you pay to do what is very important.
1: That makes me want to ask you really quickly, though. You know, I've noticed that you do collaborative work, Leanne. Um, you have more than just you over there that gets together to make something beautiful. Can you tell me
2: about that? Yeah, uh, that's been a more recent thing for Hadcraft because it really started to feel like a collective. But these girls would come over and hang out and spend time and it just felt natural. So we started to call ourselves a covenless coven even though that's still a coven. (laughs) And yeah, so they, they do some things for me. Um, When they help design a piece, they get design credit and they get paid for every piece that they have done a collaborative effort on. And do you want to do a couple of shout outs for that real quick? Oh my gosh. Uh, (laughs) Rebecca and Anna were brought into my circle by my tattoo artist, Nikki and You will see all of them featured in different photos and stuff like that. (laughs) I'll try to stay still, but I am pretty twitchy. Okay, so just so everybody knows Leanne is sitting on a
1: hundred-year-old bar stool, and it makes a little bit of thump and bump in the background, which lets y'all know that her ass is really in this podcast. All right. Keep going, Leanne.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, uh, Rebecca, Anna, and Nikki, I do not know what I would do without you guys. And I know all of you are going to listen to this. So I love you. That is so sweet.
1: And I love that women do this. And I want to get to that. I'm going to make sure that we get back to that, how we weave together and how much joy it brings and how things get even better. But hold up. We have a couple more questions. Shannon, tell me what you would say to a beginner maker, honey.
0: So uh, specifically, I want to kind of talk to you beginning metal or silversmiths, I guess. The solder gods are real. (laughs) Some days they are with you and some days they are not. And uh, one of the biggest things I've had to kind of realize is, especially when you're working with an element like fire, where it's just, I mean, you have to work with it. You're not going to be able to work against it. You're not going to be able to manipulate it. It needs to do what it is going to do. So, you know, being able to take a step back and say, okay, today is not the day. I can't tell you how many ounces of silver I probably would have saved from being completely melted if I had just taken that step back when I knew that it was not the day. So, you know, be aware and, you know, whether you believe in the solder gods or witchy spirits or land spirits or fae or or what have you, uh, you know, being aware of your own energy and how you're going into a situation is going to be a game changer. I mean, if you go into it and you're like, oh, I just got to get this done. I don't really feel like doing this today. That's going to show, especially in something that is so temperamental, like trying to melt silver at exactly the right temperature to melt the solder and not the silver. So don't be afraid to say, you know, this just isn't the day for this.
1: It makes total sense to me. You know, what I weave is different than what you weave. I, I weave stories. I'm a writer under my government name, um, write for a couple of magazines. And also I'm weaving, I, I suppose, this podcast. And there are days that it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. And I need to allow that. I need to allow that just to be. So that makes so much sense to me. Leanne, what about you? Who would you talk to? What would you say to a beginning maker of your craft?
2: Well, first of all, I'm going to agree with you ladies. And after you've broken a few needles, you learn it's time to walk away and go do something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I would say, you know, don't give up and definitely do not feed the trolls. There's a whole lot of people that will come for you the moment you start to make something. Don't give up. I mean, I guess that's how you know you're doing something good, huh? Yeah, I've I've learned that recently.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that's ridiculous. It kind of is leading to where I want to get to about building each other up. But I do have one more question for you guys before we get there. Shannon, what is the most favorite thing you've ever soldered, girl?
0: <laughs> so uh, I did a memorial piece for a client who had lost um, her fur baby. And animals mean significantly more to me than most humans. So. Okay, so same, same. <laughs> And I love you guys, obviously. There's there's about, you know, a 0.3% of the human population that <laughs> I'm down with. And then the rest of you guys, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there's just something about animals that are so innocent and just pure and loving. And people don't understand a lot of the time, the really the trauma involved in losing that you come home to every day and loves you unconditionally, no matter what kind of a crap day you've had. No matter, you know, what's going on in your life or, you know, you just didn't give it 100% today and you feel like you've disappointed people. And coming home to something that, that never is disappointed in you, there's just nothing quite like it. So to lose something like that, a spirit that you're so connected to, a lot of people that, you know, think of pets as just pets don't really understand that loss. So I had a client message me who um, had lost her fur baby and she wanted to get a memorial piece made. And she just kind of gave me a a vague idea of some things she liked. And uh, she had a lock of fur that she wanted set behind a stone. So I had a clear quartz pyramid that I set this beautiful fur and it was like black and gray and white behind this quartz. And it really made it look like it was this deep, dark, smoky quartz And then, you know, around it, it's got these beautiful little snails and ferns and mushrooms. And I really, my mind was that I wanted to kind of create a soft space for that pet to land and and a way for her to keep that baby close without having to have just a vial of ashes or whatever. And that piece still to this day, like, you know, anytime you're working with any kind of remains, um, especially myself, ashes, fur, whatever, I, I usually am able to get a pretty good sense of that spirit, maybe even more importantly of the connection that they had to whoever's commissioning that piece. So being able to kind of help people in a time that you just know that they're completely heartbroken makes a really big difference to me personally. And if I, if I could do nothing but memorial pieces, honestly, I probably would.
1: And you know, it sounds so much like death doula work, but I think in a lot of ways, Shannon, it's like a grief doula you know, helping that grief to pass through. That's the kind of work I think you're doing there. It's beautiful.
0: It really, you know, again, especially with stuff like deity pieces and stuff, you do get a connection. You do get that kind of spiritual element, but I don't know that I've ever felt better about a piece than the memorial pieces that I've done. It just really helps me kind of establish my relationship with death and and establish a way that we all sort of know That, you know, our time in these meat suits are limited. And whether you believe in reincarnation or whether you believe in the afterlife, all we can really do is try to be kind to the people that are here, the people that matter while we're here.
1: Do you mind if I go off script a little bit and ask you, do you clean off? I'm sorry, but do you?
0: It's fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh I can tell it's really fine. Um, (laughs) All right. But at the same time, you're putting a lot of energy into these things. So Leanne, I I hope you're listening and maybe think about it too. Because I'm wondering, how do you keep from just, I mean, I think I get an idea, but from you, I want to know, how do you keep from just bleeding out all of your energy into this craft when you send it on to someone and you've put so much magic in?
0: So I actually didn't realize quite how much of that I was really doing until we actually had that lesson in group on um, amulets and talismans and stuff like Mm. that. And we kind of talked about that. And then the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I totally still feel tethered to several pieces of jewelry that I've kind of sent out into the world. And to some to some extent, I'm okay with that, especially on those pieces like the memorial ones where I really feel like I connected with that person and the the spirit of their animal. But I definitely have started doing a a little bit of like a cleansing, clearing, uh, you know, a little smoke cleansing, that kind of thing when I do send those pieces out because I just energetically can't be tethered to that many people at once, (laughs) especially for someone who's so introverted and, you know. Antisocial. It just it it does take its toll after a while. You put that energy into it, and then when it's time, you just have to release that energy out of it.
1: Just by the way, I think we have completely come out of the closet that you're my new student. (laughs) I guess we're just gonna go ahead.
0: Yeah, I I didn't really. I I guess I never didn't think about asking you if that was okay. It's okay. Welcome, world. I have a new student. Um, you know, you've already been such a big influence on me. It'd be really hard to separate that.
1: Well, I love the story and I think it's important for makers to actually talk about this. Gosh, when it's so much of a part of you, you know, and then it goes out into the world, there has to be a little bit, I suppose, of cleavage. And I wouldn't say necessarily all the time, but I think like, as you were talking about it, baby, for somebody's pet, for somebody's familiar, yeah, and that's got to be difficult. Let me go over to Leanne. Leanne, what about you? What is your favorite thing you've created, or one of your favorites—the one you feel comfortable talking about today, and uh, why? And and then we'll move on from there.
2: Well, it has to be this raggedy duster that I made about two years ago, and uh, I made it, and it wasn't quite right, and it hung on a hanger for about a month. And I realized that the colorway that I'd made for that, I'd sold everything and not kept anything for myself, which I have a very bad habit of doing.
0: I -hmm. usually don't
2: keep anything for myself, even if I really fall in love with something Um, because I'm so driven. Everything has to go to other people. It can't be here because I'll just hoard it all, uh, be a little clothes goblin. But yeah, so this, uh, this terra duster that I made, I fell in love with it. It was raggedy and weird and one side was shorter than the other. And you know what? I still wear it every damn day. And I think I put more magic into this raggedy gross thing than any of the pretty things I've put out into the world. Oh my God, I love that.
1: I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> that makes a lot of sense though, because in a lot of ways, like that magic, if you let it go too deeply into an object, well, it's... maybe you can't, you know, divorce yourself away from that weaving. Right. It becomes part of you. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Usually it's easy for me. So I can make a thing and I've, I've channeled what I want to put into it and then I can cut the cord and we're good. But that, that little raggedy, ugly duster <laughs> couldn't do it.
1: Yeah. I wrote a piece one time, a long time ago for a magazine. I was going to get paid really well for it. And, um, the editors wanted it and I didn't really ascribe to their mission statement. And uh, they wanted a couple of edits and I didn't feel comfortable. And anyway, I kept it. It's never been published. (laughs) It's just, I, um, it was my baby. It was my baby. And I wanted to keep it and give it to my children. So I kind of get where you're coming from. So Leanne, what would you do if you, you said it very succinctly, but I want to make sure I'm understanding what would you do when you're putting all that love and all that intention and just letting that magic roll right through you? As you sew, as you cut, as you die, how do you kind of sever
2: that cord when you send it? I truly believe that it has a lot to do with being an Aquarian. We're a little cold. I mean, nobody wants to admit that they're a little cold, but I will. I will be the first person to say that I can turn it off. No, I think that's a, a survivalist skill as a witch. Sure. It uh, has kept me safe. Um, You know, coming from a massive amount of childhood trauma, I am sure that that's probably where it actually comes from. It has probably nothing to do with me being a weird Aquarian, but... I don't know about that. My grandma, the one I talk
1: about all the time on this podcast, was an Mm. Aquarian. And she was able to do that. She was able to do that. She also was able to leave a ridiculous amount of herself and her intent in something if she trusted that situation. Does that make any sense to you? So a quilt that she made for me, I can wrap it around me and still smell her 40, 50 years later. Yes. So, I think you may be onto something with it being an Aquarian. However, I'm from childhood trauma, so I get that too. We do need to protect ourselves a little bit. I think that's important. But I think what matters the most is when these items that you create, I think as they're being woven together, if you will, that there was magic there. That's what really matters here to me, as a witch anyway. And I do have that last question. I would like to just in general talk to you guys about it, if That's OK. One of the things that matters the most to me in my craft and in my life and with other friends is this um, voluntary non-compete thing, because I have seen women, especially I've seen it in men, too. But from my experience as a woman, I've seen us tear each other apart. I've seen us trip each other up. I've seen so much of that, that all I want to do in my older years, and I assume I'm older than everybody here, is to weave together something that can hold for younger witches. That has nothing to do with ripping out the inseams. What do you guys think about that? What do you think about what I'm, I guess, begging the world to do, which is to lift each other up instead of, I don't know, stepping on their heads to try to be bigger and better, especially as crafters. And I'll start with Shannon. Shannon, what are your thoughts?
0: So I think the maker that Leanne was referencing earlier, the way that Leanne and I connected was through Wolf Tea Creations. And she is one of the most, I mean... She's such a great, she's a great maker. She's a great jewelry artist, but she's one of the most helpful, open people that I've come across in this journey. I think, you know, when I first started out, you know, she has like 25,000 followers or something like that on Instagram. And I messaged her a couple of questions, just kind of like, Hey, what kind of tips do you have? I'm really struggling with the Instagram algorithm. I'm really struggling with engagement. And I just kind of assumed she wouldn't even see my message with a with a following that large. And I mean, she took the time to answer every question. She sent me videos and uh, voice recording messages. And that's how I met Leanne. That's how I found Hagcraft. And I just, that was the point for me where I was like, oh yeah, this is like how this is supposed to be. This is the way people, makers, witches, women are supposed to connect with each other. And you get a lot of people being inspired by other people, and people having similar aesthetics and stuff like that, especially in specifically witchy silversmith crafting, you know, a lot of the same imagery, people love to use cauldrons, people love to use pumpkins, people love to use brooms. And there's a lot of people out there that get real defensive and uh, gatekeepy about a lot of stuff like that. And I'd had several experiences where I had reached out to fellow makers, you know, hey, where can you tell me where you got this stone? Can you tell me where you got this sterling silver bat component and gotten a very shut down guarded responses until I talked to her. From there, you know, I really made it my mission anytime anyone asks me any question that I can answer about, you know, whether they're just starting out or whether they want to know specifically where I got something uh, to be as transparent as possible and really kind of help wherever I can.
1: Well, you know, I've got the whole thing in my life about how the sacred has to move through us. We can't hold it in a jar and expect it to expand our lives. And to me, what you're saying equivalents to that. It's, you know, as a podcaster, when I first started, which, you know, you listen to the beginning seasons, they're fairly rough, and this one may be rough, (laughs) but I had to learn everything on my own. I contacted people. I asked them, you know, I'm a big fan. Can you share with me what platforms you use? That Witch Life taught me Squadcast. Thank you, That Witch Life. And um, Byron Ballard just was full of love and really encouraged me to continue. But other than that, there was just echoes because it's all so competitive. And I think that's antithetical to our craft. I think it is. You can't hold the sacred in place. It has to be woven into every moment of our lives. And anyway, I love what you said about that. And I love that you're like that. What about you, Leanne?
2: I agree with both of you. Uh, with aspects of this. So, you know, the fashion industry is cutthroat as hell, especially the slow fashion industry, which is funny because people don't really have any competition over one another. We all make radically different stuff, you know, but when I first started out, I met Emily from CrossFox. She is amazing. Tons of people know who she is. She, she makes tons of clothes. Um, and she took the time to talk to me. And over the past two years, we've developed this amazing friendship. And she's always been there to lift me up and guide me and, you know, give me shit when I'm, you know, slacking off and, and all that. So that's been really cool. Um, and yeah, Casey from Wolf T is amazing. She is a goddess walking on this earth. She really is. <laughs> but now I find myself in this strange position where other makers are starting to like riff on my designs.
0: Oh and that's no. a little scary.
2: Uh yeah. So and I'm not throwing shade. I want to be real clear. I'm super duper crystal clear about things. But it would appear that, you know, people are starting to take notice of Hagcraft farm designs um <laughs> and, and details that were unique to what I thought I was doing have started to crop up in other unexpected places. Um, Social media can be a battlefield, you know? (laughs) Um, But I refuse to feed trolls and I refuse to let anything slow me down. So if people are starting to like my details and my designs, well, I'm just gonna keep moving forward and being a step ahead of them. Well, I think that's a really important thing
1: to bring up, and we need to look at the other side of this. We can't just be idealistic about this. So you bring up a very important point, Leanne, and that is that people sometimes do compete with us, even if we're not competing with them. And one of, I think, the, I'm sorry, creepiest, nastiest things to do is to steal other people's stuff. That is the worst thing, you know, because this is something that's all happening within me or within you or within Shannon or within anyone. And it's my first, I guess, impulse. It's any crafter's first impulse to say, whoa, what are you doing? And there should be a moment where we could stand up and say, I would have shared with
2: you anything, but you will not take it. 100%. I could not have said it better. I would never gatekeep. I would never, ever. It's just not my brand, you know? And I'm all about sharing. No shade. I'm not going to call anybody out. But I can tell you that if you pay attention in the slow fashion industry, you're going to start seeing details. (laughs) Well, they won't
1: be done underneath the full moon and they will not be done out in that beautiful swamp. So.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is true.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, when I first started the podcast. Actually, no. Let me go back when I first started my blog, honey, which was like over a decade ago and uh, did the whole Southern Fried Witch thing. I saw a lot of things pop up with my name on it, you know, or at least with the name that I had claimed on that. And I decided to let it go. I decided I would just outshine all that, but it's kind of icky. It really is. And there is a place in the sand where we can say, ask me, you might get it, take it. We are still witches. Let's not lie to the public. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm all about that. I want to, as much as I can, join forces with and, and weave with and create this beautiful, magical space with other makers and other crafters. But I don't think that people who steal our art are makers and crafters. They're imposters. So... It's not exactly the same thing with them, is it? No, nope, but certainly isn't.
0: Well, and you know, for me, um, like, especially like with silversmithing and with jewelry making, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm a big believer that there's not really an original thought in the world. I feel like everything has been thought of by someone somewhere at some point. They may not have put uh, action behind it. They may not have created something. But it used to really, I used to be very much like on the lookout for that kind of thing. like going through people's pages and seeing, oh, this person's design looks so much like this person's. I wonder who did it first. And I kind of got myself into a little bit of a dark space about it. So I've pretty much at this point just have started kind of just deciding that, you know, I'm not putting any energy into anything like that, just because uh, especially with, you know, in the silversmith community, especially you really there's like four or five people that make the bats and the moons and the stars and all the stuff that we use. So you're going to see a lot of similarities between a lot of different pieces from a lot of different people. It'll really drag you down quick if you let it. I mean, honestly, it's just for me, if you're straight up going to steal something from another artist, it's just sad. You know what I mean? It's just it's one of those things where I have to just look at it and say, man, it sucks that you don't have any creativity of your own and kind of move on because you just can't feed that kind of emotion you just can't it will literally like especially on social media especially with social media being the soul sucking thing that it pretty much already is I would consider it like the worst necessary evil that I have to have and I'm sure Leanne agrees it's already so negative you just can't let it get to a place where you're constantly looking around trying to find things where people have copied you or used your ideas or ripped off your aesthetic because you'll find it and it will just suck the life out of you and there's really not a whole lot you can do about it.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, there's nothing we can do about it at all. I think that the best we can do is keep on creating original content and hoping that more people try that because whoever's doing that kind of theft, they really don't look inside of themselves at all. You know, there could be something beautiful in there. Something fantastic. I would rather do me. So we're just gonna have to get through that. That is a downside. But let me ask you both off road here again. You know how I'm gonna do you. What I know, shana loves it specifically.
0: Um, I know I'm a Capricorn, so I'm like, uh, excuse me, ma'am. I have three pages of notes deviated from the script, so I'm going to need you to backtrack. Um. I'm
1: so sorry. <laughs> I will pay for it later. I'm sure. <laughs> Why do you continue to do it? Because we all know we don't make a whole lot of money, y'all. We don't make a whole lot of money. We make a little, but there isn't a whole lot out there for us. Why do we continue to do it? And let's start with Leanne.
2: I keep doing it because I couldn't stop if I tried. I mean, I brought up, you know, the uh, the drama aspect of what I do. But in reality, I did expect that because it is the fashion industry. So I did want to close that part of the conversation out on that note. I did expect it. It was just a surprise when I finally saw it.
0: So,
2: um, but that's how I knew I'd made it. You know, oh, people are, are riffing on this. I did a thing that other people like and they're into it. So hell yeah, that means I succeeded, right? Fuck yeah, you did. Yeah, nothing going to bring me down, man. I have been through hell and back. You can't hurt me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. i what was the question that I was supposed to answer?
1: (laughs) I don't remember. Hold on. (laughs) I loved your answer so much. It didn't matter anymore. (laughs) Oh, the question was, why do you keep doing it? Why do you keep going? You said you couldn't stop anyway.
2: Yeah, I, I can't. I am a busybody. I'm always moving. I um, have got to just go. I have to do. I have to see. I have to feel. I got to move. And I, I'm afraid that if I ever slow down, I'm just going to lay down and die. And I'm just not ready to do that yet. So I guess when I do quit, I'm I'm going to go take a dirt nap.
1: Well, let's not let that happen anytime soon because I need more clothes, okay? I need... <laughs> I'm at the place in my life. I told Shannon recently, I wish that all I had were your clothes. And I could just go throw away all my, yeah, I'm not kidding. They make me feel magical. They make me feel whole in a way that I've never felt before. So,
2: yeah, we have to keep working together. (laughs) I'm not done yet. That means I'm doing it right. And, you know, I will say that uh, Casey from Wolf Tea actually gave me one of the highest compliments I've ever gotten on a garment. I'd sent her a dress and she said, you know, it feels like I'm wearing a hug. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah. A magical one. I love Casey so much. Oh. Isn't she great? <laughs> you you know what, Seba? You really need to hook up with Wolf Tee because she, Casey really is. I mean, she's the most beautiful, like, leo with just this gorgeous i mean she literally just is everything about that that you love you will love her you really oh my
1: god i love leo so much it's a fire sign thing don't listen to the the bullshit out there fire signs do love each other (laughs) we do yeah that's awesome she's amazing yeah so
0: what about you boo what do you got so for me it's (laughs) uh none of none of that is why i do it um (laughs) (laughs) because I am a I am a Capricorn so I do have that like go go ambition thing but also I'm a Taurus moon so I am inherently like a little lazy um (laughs) no shade to fellow Taurus out there but um I I really I don't feel like I have to go go all the time I just like making pretty things honestly and again like obviously with something like a memorial piece that means so much more to me than just, you know, oh, I like this moonstone and I put this bat with it and I think that looks nice. Um, Those pieces really stick with you. But for me, mostly, yeah, I just like making pretty shiny stuff. I like your pretty shiny stuff. I
1: have several pieces of your pretty shiny stuff. I think Leanne has some of your pretty shiny stuff. I do. Yeah. And it's magical. The first night I wore the ring that I kind of stole a ring, y'all. Okay. She says, oh, oh, I didn't, didn't steal there it. There she goes. <laughs> Tell me I didn't steal it. We all know I stole it. So I was at the photo shoot wearing Leanne's cloak. And Shannon had a pretty, I think we call it a big fuck off ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what she called it the first time anyway. And I just put it on my hand to wear for the photo shoot. And then it felt like if I wanted to take it off, I'd have to cut off my finger. And so <laughs> I just sort of quietly wore it in the car home. And then somewhere on the rod said, um, so how much for the ring? (laughs) Because I, I don't know. And then later on that night, it glowed at me from my altar and I went, all right, we're going to name you now. So I love that we do this for each other. I love that we help each other and I love that we are weaving together. I don't know. How do y'all want to close out weaver november tonight how do you want to talk to folks about their weaving is there any last uh
0: thoughts for them i guess for me just make something i mean it doesn't have to be great it doesn't have to be perfect it doesn't even have to look good and i think most artists will tell you that 98 percent of the time they make something and they stare at it until they hate it anyway (laughs) it's one of those things where just make something. I mean, it'll make you feel good. It'll be something that you've put out into the world. Make it with good intentions, make it with the right energy and the right headspace and just see what happens. You're never going to be able to create, you know, all these people, you have all these people that say, oh, I'm just not creative. I just don't have any creativity. And that's not true. It may not be a typical avenue of creativity, but everybody has something in them that is wanting to express itself in some way. So just piddle around and figure out what it is.
1: I will agree with you that I hate what I write and I will mess with it till I hate it more. So (laughs) I I will end
0: up- Yeah, there's nothing worse than looking at a piece and being like, if I hadn't done this one last thing, this would have been perfect. I don't know why I did it.
1: But one of the things I was thinking about when I was writing this last piece that I had to write for a magazine I won't name here was that I don't think it's so much like leaving something behind. I think in a lot of weird ways, we're weaving ourselves into the fabric of the future in a lot of ways, which is a good thing. It's a good thing. We always think about it as like an object we throw down and it's done, but it's not. Like I told y'all, my grandma still is in this beautiful quilt. And if we can push ourselves into the future and it be a good thing, you know, why not? Why not do something that good? Leanne, any last statements about
2: weaving? Sure. I agree with you guys. I think that everyone somewhere somehow is a maker. I mean, that's what humans are are built to do is we, we make things we create. Some people say that's what separates us from animals, even though I think we might be more animal than some animals. <laughs> 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 but yeah, uh, I think that everyone should try to make their mark on the world. It's, you know, our time here is very fleeting. And I also will say that I am super approachable on social media. If any of the listeners have any questions regarding dye, fabrics, what I do, feel free. Message me. I love that. That is beautiful. What about you, Shannon?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Same. Uh, you know, if you want to know, I don't cast any of my own elements because I am don't have a casting setup one day, but not this day. So uh, anything you see that's like a bat or a star or something like that is probably something that I've gotten from a caster. And if you're wanting to know where I got it, just message me. I'd be happy to give you that information. It's not, I don't have any sort of proprietary, you know, clause or anything with any of these guys. And you know, if I can send them some more business, all the better. So um, yeah. If you ever have questions, just hit me up.
1: And I'm only a writer and a farmer and a podcaster, but I'm willing to answer any questions at all from the kind of microphone I use to what kind of marigolds to plant in the spring. So hit me up. And by the way, before we go, we gotta, we've got to go, but Leanne
2: is also, uh, she has a farm. Leanne has um, honey, right, Leanne? Yes, I have honeybees and chickens currently on my farm.
1: And sometimes if you're a really good girl, you can get some of that honey from her. Isn't
2: that right? Yep. There might be a little bit left in the shop right now. And they are all in the apothecary jars that everybody loves so much that you can reuse for your witchy things later.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I'm
2: already on mine. I have mine and it has a
1: very special use. So I'm already excited. about it.
0: (laughs) Yay! And you know us witches can't throw away a jar. So No,
1: gosh, it is the curse of us. It really is. I don't know what that's about. I have a whole box of jars somewhere. And you know, I'm weak about the blue ones, y'all. Weak about the blue ones.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep that in mind.
1: Oh, no, she's going to feed my addiction.
2: <laughs> well, you know, out in the back in the swamp where it drops down into the actual like wash of the swamp. It used to be the outhouse and the trash area for the farm that I live on, which is well over a hundred years old. Um, so we call it the bottle swamp. Um, in the winter time, you can go out there and dig all manner of bottles, loads of them.
1: <laughs> oh my God. I would
0: never leave the swamp. I would just be out there. Yeah. I'm super jealous of your like bottle vein that you've mined from the earth.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's we hilarious. Would. So I have a TikTok and, uh, my friend Nikki and I were—we did a little walk through the swamp and made a TikTok and showed people the bottles. And people were commenting and freaking out, going, "Oh, those are witches' bottles! Leave those alone!" You know? And I'm like, "Yeah, they're mine."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, witches' bottles. People misunderstand uh, them quite a lot, don't they?
2: They do. I'm like, if there were that many witches' bottles on a property, I'd be getting the hell out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, me too. That's for sure. <laughs> Although the witches' bottles that I create are all defensive magic and they're buried and there's no way you could get to them. So I'm pretty sure that they're going to stay in place until somebody comes and excavates my land. And hopefully I will not be here anymore. Anyway, I love that y'all came on the show and thank you for being part of Weaver November. I'm going to put everybody's links up so that people can find you and find all your beautiful stuff.
0: Thank you for letting us come on. It's been great. I very much enjoyed. It's the first time I got to hear Leanne, so that was exciting. I think we made friends for life. I think this is what
1: we're going to do. We're going to be friends. It's going to be a good thing.
0: Thank you for having me. And I,
2: I love that I've gotten to talk to both of you at the same time. I was super nervous. I'm a little less nervous now. So if we do this again, I might be a pro by then. <laughs> we
1: could do it again. Don't worry about that. I've got good ideas for that. So we could probably do that again right after you'll. I'm all about it. I love it. I love it too.
0: Okay, y'all, Seba did want to let y'all know that we are going to start a giveaway here in a few days. The details of that are going to be on the Instagram, so be sure and check that out. We're going to have some really awesome stuff. We're going to have a gorgeous cardigan from the amazing Hagcraft Farm. We're going to have a beautiful beeswax candle from uh, Crystal Sands from the Farmer-ish Journal. So if you haven't checked her out, definitely give her a look. She is amazing. I'm going to be contributing a piece from Hacks and Wolf. And of course, Seba is going to have all kinds of goodies from around the farm. A couple of spells, a couple of really awesome things, some beautiful cards, and some extra stuff that she has gathered especially for you guys. So be sure to check out the Instagram southern fried witch on instagram and how to enter and all those details will be up there on that post so check that out
1: well i'm gonna go and thank y'all for listening to us today and blessed be everybody love y'all like chickens say bye y'all bye, bye. y'all have been listening to the southern fried witch podcast come back around next week for a little bit more magic from the deep south